Hello, listeners. This is Brandy Cook reading an article for Pastor Rance Cook entitled The Lord's Supper, How Often? And Is It Still a Requirement for Christians? Dear listeners, we are past the High Holy Days this year, and so I wanted to write an article this week that should be near and dear to the hearts of Christians worldwide. The subject is taking communion, also known as the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table, and even Holy Communion. In the larger, more ebullient denominations, this practice is also referred to as the Eucharist. As a pastor, when I serve communion to my congregation, I like to use the passages in 1 Corinthians chapters 11, 23 through 26. Although Matthew chapter 26, 26 through 28 is a somewhat abbreviated version of the same ceremony as is Luke 22, 19 through 20. I have now retired from my church and write full time. But for several reasons, I serve communion each and every week as part of our regular service time. Some folks would think that extreme, but I had my purpose, which I will relate as this article unfolds. As new people would join us who had previously attended other fellowships, invariably I would be asked, in the past we only took communion once each month or once each year, so why do you do this so often? Before I answer that, allow me to explain. What we know as communion was undertaken by the Lord Jesus Christ with his disciples just prior to his voluntary death on the cross of Calvary. It was not just some last supper as depicted by many painters and sculptors and famous pieces of art. In reality, the Lord was presiding over a Passover feast, Seder, that memorialized the Exodus story which related the events of Moses leading the captives of Israel out of Pharaoh's slavery in Egypt. This Last Supper had been, in fact, celebrated in Jewish and many Christian households for about 1,500 years prior to Christ's atoning death, which now means well over 3,500 years by today's calendar. The meal itself can take at least three hours to complete with very much ceremony, involved in the complete telling of those terrible events, including the various plagues that fell upon Pharaoh and his people because he refused the Lord's command through Moses to set God's people free. For a great read, please refer to the Exodus story in your own Bible, Exodus chapters 1 through 15. Along with the question, why so often? I would also hear, should we not just celebrate communion at Easter time? That gave me the opportunity to explain and draw very exacting lines between the event known as Easter and what is really the message of communion. The death and resurrection from the grave of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, without which Christianity would simply be another empty religious shell. How can I say that? Easily, because what separates Christianity from every other belief system in the world are two very distinct qualities. To be a Christian is to not be religious. Religion refined. A system of belief or worship, often involving a code of ethics. No, to be a Christian is to simply recognize and accept that Jesus Christ is Lord and has been resurrected from the dead. That coupled with sincere repentance. In other words, Many religions have become legalistic messes that require specific works by the adherents to acquire salvation, whereas true Christianity is solely based upon the works completed by Jesus himself at the cross of Calvary and is dependent solely upon our personal relationship with him. Salvation is a free gift from God solely based upon the grace extended to any man or woman ever born who will simply accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. And without the Lord's resurrection from the grave, and his promise to do the same for all who follow him, Christianity would have no power over death or promise of eternal life with a righteous God forevermore in heaven. So, for my explanation to those who question why I serve communion every week, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, the ceremony of the communion ends with the statement, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaiming that fact, along with accomplishing the Great Commission as I see it, the number one job of all believers in this world, plus simply obeying what Jesus said. As a pastor, I wanted my congregation, not to mention myself, to keep both the Passover story and Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection literally before their eyes at all times, not just sometimes or once a year. Preparing for a communion service is a very special time of deep-down heart-wrenching reflection, a time when we as individuals can privately ask ourselves an incredibly important question. How am I doing? Is my individual walk with the Lord meeting His expectations? And if not, do I need to repent for anything happening in my life? Communion is a perfect time to do that. Now at this point, I want to make something perfectly clear. Serving communion each and every week is something I chose to do, not something commanded in the Bible. If you attend a church that serves communion on a less frequent basis, it does not mean that it is wrong or that your pastor is not somehow living up to a biblical standard. I am merely explaining the way I did things which does not make my way better than any other pastor's. A church normally becomes a reflection of what is taught from the pulpit. Different pastors have different callings and priorities, simple as that. So why this article? Because for some, the ceremony of communion has become just that, a ceremony, just like any other event found within the normal Christian church. But communion is far more than simple ceremony and should be looked upon with eager anticipation and sincere thought by all concerned. It is interesting to note that a very famous theologian, Bible teacher, John Wesley, 1703-1791, mentioned the original edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs, personally received communion every four to five days through his long career. Part of his testimony is that he realized that this Lord's Table ceremony was far more than just ceremony. It provided spiritual refreshing and actual communion with the Lord. In other words, when taken properly, the act of remembering what the Lord did for us is a form of personal communications with Him. There are, in my opinion, at least three ways in which taking communion is meaningful to Christians today. First, please remember that taking communion is a roadmap that relates to past, present, and future. The communion service is a time of past remembrance because Jesus said in His statements in 1 Corinthians, Do this in remembrance of me. Not so much, in my opinion, as dwelling upon the suffering of Christ upon the cross, although that is certainly important, but as it is to be in remembrance of the fantastic life and ministry of our Savior to humankind. What a great reminder it is that Jesus gave his life voluntarily because of his love for us. No other reason. It is a time for us to express our very deepest level of praise and thanksgiving for all that our Lord has chosen to do for us. The Passover meal proclaims the Hebrew people's deliverance from slavery at the hands of evil Pharaoh, Exodus 12, 26-27. Also the blood of an unblemished lamb that the Hebrew family spread across their doorposts and lintels saved the people from death. In the same way, now in the present, during the communion service, Christians proclaim their deliverance from sin and everlasting torment through the shed blood of the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah of Israel. In other words, Christ our Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7-8, and 11-26. The Lord's Supper is a time of refreshing and literal communion with the Lord Himself, as we choose, just like He chose, to participate in the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave to eternal life, Romans 5, 10-11, and 1 Corinthians 10, 16 future, 
We are being nourished and given fresh empowerment directly from the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Could God empower us anew without undertaking this ritual? Yes, but that's just the point. Communion is not just some ritual. It is a time in which God provided ample opportunity for us as individual believers to commune with him. In those few moments of communion, our minds are on no other but God. Worldly distraction can be locked out. This is another way that God gives us the opportunity to commune with him in the same way that prayer gives us opportunity to speak directly to him, and hearing and reading scripture gives us an opportunity to hear directly from him. In fact, it is important to realize just what phenomenal benefit is realized by hearing God's word. Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Want more faith in your life? Read and hear more of God's word. The communion service is a special time set aside for us to recommit ourselves, our very lives, to our King. Also to refresh our memories in regards to the anticipation of eternal life which Christ provided by his voluntary, unspeakable suffering and atoning death. That atonement by his shed blood removes the necessity for any believer to shed his own blood, or the blood of animals, as was practiced in the Jewish temple, to atone for his or her personal sins. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 12, 29 tells us to let a man, woman, examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And what would be unworthy? For one, by simply thinking communion is just another version in a long line of church service doctrine, another empty ceremony. Communion is 100% about the Lord and what he did for us. It is not about us at all, except for our remembering what he has done for us and our recommitment to him each and every time we participate. At this point, I would like to share a small story from my own life. During one of our several travels to Israel, I purchased a crown of thorns, a brutal thing if I ever saw one, twisted, very stiff, vine-like material sprouting huge inch and longer, extremely sharp thorns. It hangs in my office as a reminder to me regarding the horror of Jesus' death, given voluntarily for my sins. Just a few days ago, when I was beginning this article, something I was looking for in my office fell behind one of the overstuffed chairs in my seating group. In the process of leaning back over that chair, I bumped the bookshelf that the crown of thorns was hanging on. It fell directly on my head, and no, I do not think it any sign from God, but merely an example of my own clumsy self. I cannot tell you how much that hurt and it was only on my head for a few seconds. It gave me a tremendous pause to think about the pain that our Savior endured on our behalf. The communion service is a reflection on our lives which can and should be led to repentance when called for. Of course, the only individual believer and the Lord himself knows the secrets of a person's mind and heart. Sometimes I have been asked, how can I know if I should take communion? The answer to that is simple. If you are a repentant Christian, then yes, you should. If your life is somehow cluttered with hidden, unrepentant sin, then I suggest that you have a very serious talk with the Lord and clean that up. Once done, then by all means take communion. Try as I might, I can find no place in the Bible that gives me or anyone else the right to tear down another man's house. By that I simply mean that as a pastor I do not make a habit of attacking other pastors who do not agree with me on the jot and tittle of scripture, or attack other denominations that are not in accord with my biblical view. I stick to my own flock and make certain that they are not swallowing any false doctrine, and I do that by assuring them that every single word of the Bible is true and correct. But since we are discussing the act of taking communion, I feel it necessary to advise that there is a major false doctrine in a couple of our larger denominations. It is the doctrine of transubstantiation. A Webster's definition of that 
is conversion of a substance into that of another. In this particular case, transubstantiation means that the bread or wafer eaten at a communion service actually and in reality changes as eaten into the physical body of Christ. Also that the wine or grape juice served during communion changes physically into the actual blood of Christ when consumed. This doctrine is totally false, and the slightest evidence for it cannot be found anywhere in either of the Old or New Testaments. The bread or wafer is merely a symbol of the body of Christ, and the wine or grape juice, depending on the church or denomination, is merely a symbol of the blood of Christ. This is one of those times when believers should always place their confidence in the written word of the Bible rather than the doctrine of men, which, by the way, is confirmed and directed in the second chapter of the book of Colossians. When asked today, a large percentage of Christians worldwide will say, yes, I do believe that we are in the end times, a position I hold myself. And if that is the case, it behooves every single one of us to ask that one simple question as often as possible. How am I doing? Is my individual walk with the Lord meeting his expectations? Only you and he can answer that, but it is something that we should all take very seriously because after all, Matthew twenty four thirty six, Jesus speaking, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Who knows? It could be today or tomorrow or... Accordingly, we should all be prepared. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, Pastor Rance. This is Brandy Cook signing off. Have a blessed day. Shining like the sun at the trumpet.